0: Welcome to Church at Home. This was a moment that none of us were able to see coming, but now that we're standing in it, I feel like the presence of God is about to do something so special. And for every single one of you watching this moment, you know that the events of the past few weeks, even in the past week or the past couple of days in our community has been so crazy in response to the COVID, coronavirus. And so we wanted this moment during church at home to be one where you felt like You are still gathering with your family, even if we are gathered in homes, in apartments, or wherever you are watching this from. We want it to feel like church, and the great thing is we have been a church without walls from the very beginning, and so we can meet together as a church even if it looks different, but different doesn't mean disengage. and so our hope for this moment is that you are gathered around a few people who you can lean into the Word of God with, who you can pray with, and we can experience the Spirit of God moving in us from the inside out. Uh, There's actually a live audience in front of me full of people who were able to make it up to ACC on very, very, very short notice. Some of them just cut back from mission trips on very, very, very little amounts of sleep. And so we're hoping that this allows you to step into this moment and participate with us. But before we jump into the Word of God and I tell you about where we're going to be going uh, in the Bible, I want to give you a few announcements about the foreseeable future for Auburn Community Church. The reality is I feel like this situation changes every single day and we really didn't think we were going to have to cancel services on Sunday or switch to church at home and now here we are and so the reality is we just don't know if i had to guess i would say we're doing something like this all over again next sunday on march 22nd uh, i hope that we're able to meet by march 29th or april the 5th but the reality is we just don't know what we want you to do though is prepare for moments like this. Make sure you have a community to gather with and people who you can come around the Word of God with. And if you don't, you can go to our website and figure out ways to connect. A couple of announcements. We are postponing our men's and women's events that are coming up. So if you didn't know this, we had a men's retreat scheduled for next week at Lake Martin. We're postponing that. And then the women's local IF gathering that was coming the weekend after that. We're postponing that for now. If that ends up getting canceled, uh, we're going to reimburse everybody and get with You, If we end up moving it to a date that you can't attend, we're going to take care of all of that. The reality is we just don't know on those two things. The other thing we're postponing, and I hate this, we're postponing baptisms on April 5th. Uh, everybody who signed up, you're going to get baptized. We just don't think our first Sunday back should be everybody in the same tank and uh, getting <laughs> dunked underwater. That doesn't, That definitely doesn't need to happen. And so you can still sign up to be baptized, and we're gonna make sure that that happens in the near future, but that's gonna be postponed. Our welcome to church lunch that happens on the last Sunday of every month for March, we're just gonna push that back uh, to hopefully the end of April. And then I wanna say this, for our larger community groups, this is shocking, but we actually have Community groups that are over 100 people, and so they fall within the or outside of the limits of how big a group is that needs to be getting together. If you have a larger community group, we want to ask that you would split into smaller groups during this time. Um, what's been recommended is no bigger than 50 people. And we're, we're kind of pushing that in this room right now. And so we want to be honoring the local officials and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be a part of the solution. So larger groups meet smaller. And then I wanted to tell you, what are we doing as a church to help in our community? I talked on the phone for 20 minutes yesterday with our mayor, Ron Anders, and he recommended number one above and beyond anything else, get your people praying. There's power in prayer, and there's a reason why our president is calling for a national day of prayer on Sunday, March the 15th. And so the best thing we can do in these moments is honestly go before the God of the universe out loud and proclaim to him what we're asking, but also just humbly bow before him and admit that we don't know what we don't know. We need to say our dependency out loud. And so even in this moment, I'm going to pray right now. And my hope is that you, wherever you're joining from, would be leaned into this moment. And let's go before God together. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would do what only you can do in these days. God, there's so many people who are afraid. And there's so many of us who are so uncertain about the future. I pray that the church would stand up now more than ever to shine the light of Jesus. I pray that we wouldn't just claim that we trust you and that you're the foundation of our lives, but we would actually experience that and live that out in real time. I pray that we wouldn't love others just in word, but also in deed, and that we would provide for those who don't have provision right now, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus God, help us be the church. Help us not claim to be a church without walls. Help us to live that out right now. We pray that you would fill up our leaders with wisdom and guidance. God, when they have all options seeming like bad options, would you somehow miraculously and supernaturally make a way where there is no way? God, we pray that you would provide an end to this virus. We pray that a doctor, multiple doctors, would rise up with solutions and that you would be the healer that we know that you are. We trust you, Lord. We entrust this entire situation and even this gathering to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, in addition to prayer, uh, Ron Anders suggested that we would rally around with other local communities who are feeding kids who normally rely on the school system for meals and so because Auburn City Schools is going to be closing until early April at a minimum there are a lot of kids in the school system who rely on that for breakfast and lunch every single day so there's multiple groups that we're going to be posting about who are making this happen the main group we will probably be partnering with is Church of the Highlands through the Dream Center but you can look up all the information for that online and then his third thing that he said that we can do to help and this one really surprised me His third thing was that we wouldn't be paralyzed by fear, but continue to participate in the Auburn community and inspire others to do the same. He literally said, "Miles, the best thing you can do for me right now other than pray is go downtown with your family and have a meal and buy something and take a picture of it so that people know our city is not closed. And so I thought that was interesting. I was like, yeah, I mean, we, we can do that. I know my wife can do that. And so we're going <laughs> to you're on the front row now. So you you asked for that. Um, but honestly, seriously, even if that makes you uncomfortable and you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to be out and about, order to go and continue to support our local economy. That is a major, major issue that people are facing all over the world. But huge to know that we could be a part of the solution from the inside out. Um, on top of that, I wanted to tell everyone listening that one of the main questions I'm getting is how concerned are you about the economy and how concerned are you about finances? And the answer is, do we really mean it when we say that God is our provider and the source of our provision? Honestly, I am not saying this arrogantly. I'm saying this like full of humility. I'm not worried at all. And I know normally on Sundays we have a time of worship where we do bringing time and we pass the bucket around and that's not going to be happening for the foreseeable future. We're actually going to go into our bringing time right now. And so if you want to give on Venmo, now is the time to get your phone out and do that. If you want to send in a check, you can send that to 323 Airport Road or to P.O. Box 105, Auburn, Alabama, 36831. You can give online. You can text to give. Just go to our website and click give. But let's continue to participate generously. Let's continue to bring the tithe and be the church we have been called to be from the beginning. Are you ready to hear from the word of God in this moment? Okay, I'm excited about this message. Now, we're going to be pausing our Colossians series, probably picking up with that again next week, but I felt like in this moment, God had laid a word on my heart that needs to go out, and the second we knew that we were going to be doing church at home, I was a little bit excited and fired up that that's what was about to happen because I know that our community needs this word, and I believe our world needs this word. We need to know That faith can overcome fear. And we need to know that Jesus has this. Our God is in total control. And so I just want to acknowledge what has happened. I don't think Christians in this moment need to pretend like nothing's wrong. Or like this is not that big of a deal. Please don't be that person. Please don't be that person walking around like God's got this. And we don't even need to take precautions. And we don't even need to worry about it. Like what's going to happen is going to happen. God's sovereign. No, we need to be human beings. We need to feel the weight of this. There is a virus that is causing levels of chaos that we have actually never seen before and definitely haven't seen during the digital age. People are scared. People are dying. And on top of that, there's an economic downturn that is scaring millions and millions of people. And so the economics of this go hand in hand with the healthcare issues that are rising up. And the combination of those two things are shaking people up, and rightfully so. I don't think our response needs to be to scoff at that and go, well, you knew those things were worldly and you knew those things didn't need to have your hope. No, it's okay to feel a level of fear. It's okay to be a little bit shaken up by that. It's just not okay to stay in that place. Uncertainty is going to have an immediate effect in the way you react or respond. And I would say this, the difference between Christians and non-believers in this situation is whether or not we choose to react in fear or respond in faith. Those are two very different things. When you react in fear, you're going, okay, I'm, I'm scared of this moment. And so I'm going to ask myself this internal question. And that question is, how do I get out of this? That's the first question. When you respond, when you react in fear, you're going, okay, this situation came up, and I want to run from this as fast as I possibly can. And that's what people are doing. That's what people are doing in grocery stores. That's what people are doing all around the world right now, just running around crazy. Why do you need that much toilet paper if you don't live in Auburn? If you live in Auburn, I understand, but athletics have closed down. And so there's no need for that much toilet paper. I cannot believe some of the decisions that are being made in the wake of this. But all of it is being guided by fear because we're asking the question, okay, how do I get out of what we're facing right now? Now, what it means to respond by faith is this. How can I be a light in this situation? Instead of how do I get out of this? Okay, this is here. This is staying. It's not going anywhere. How can I shine the light of Jesus in the midst of something that I can't control? Uh, That's the question we're asking today. And so I want to challenge you from the beginning. It's not that I want us to be afraid and respond. It's that I want us to be awake And go from there in faith and go, okay, this is happening all around us. This is an opportunity for the church to stand up and stand out like never before. And the way we're going to respond in faith and the way we're going to stand out more than ever before, I believe, is coming to a full understanding. Here's my sermon title, God is greater. God is greater. Now, this is where I would normally ask you to touch your neighbor and say this, but we're not going to do that. We're not even going to make eye contact with the person next to you. (laughs) COVID-19, introverts, you win. Like, this is this is the ultimate win for introverts. You're like, social distancing has given me the reason to be myself all the time. And so I'm, uh, I'm not going to ask you to, to say anything to anybody around you. And I honestly don't want this message to become an over preachy rally of some Christian slogans like our God is greater than this. We've got victory and just rising up with sort of an emotionalism that doesn't feel real. Now we're going to be awake to what's happening, but we're also going to fully acknowledge from the truth of God's word that our God is greater. And even though we're not going to do a community time, you better believe we're still going to do the Bible drill. If you have your Bible, hold it up all over this place, all over your living room. All right, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. As you are gathered with your community, I hope in these moments that as we open the word of God together, that we can come around the truth of God's word and we can taste and see in community what God is trying to communicate to us. And I love the letter 1 John. If you're turning in your Bible and you're like, where's 1 John? It's small. I don't know. I'm looking at the table of contents. It's at the very end. Uh, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he actually claims that during his life on earth in his gospel. Later on, he writes a letter to the churches that basically imparts his personal friendship with Jesus. So when you read 1 John, you're actually reading somebody who's saying, Hey, I'm best friends with Jesus, and I want to teach you how you can share in my personal fellowship with the Son of God. Now, he uses the word fellowship, but that's a word that literally means friendship not food Methodists and Baptists. Now, it doesn't mean food. It means friendship. And John's like, listen, I got this special friendship with Jesus. And his friendship with Jesus did not end when Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven. No, his friendship with Jesus continued by the Spirit of God living on the inside of him. And so he sits down to write the early church and say, listen, you guys are being persecuted. Life has gotten difficult. But persecution and difficulty don't mean the church shuts things down and goes away. Difficulty causes the light of Jesus to rise up and that's why John over and over again says God is light in him is no darkness at all and we are to make that light and let that light shine in and through our lives in first John chapter three I'm gonna start in verse 19 I want to read you a section of verses where John talks about how to get your heart at rest before God I believe this is what we need so desperately right now first John chapter three verse 19 if you're there say I'm there here we go This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. This is such an incredible section of scripture. I don't know why this gets talked about so rarely, but just in these verses, you have the key to setting your heart at rest and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you belong to God. We need to talk about these verses more often. Look at verse 23. And this is his command To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. I believe this passage speaks straight to where our world sits today. And will speak straight to how we need to respond as the people of God. Let's go back to the very beginning in verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. I believe the battle happening in our country and in our world right now is a battle for rest on the inside more than it is a battle for peace on the outside. And John is saying this is how you set your heart at rest in the presence of God. This is literally when you feel uneasy, when you feel like you don't know, you can set your heart at rest in the presence of God because you know who you belong to. And as you read through these verses, what you're going to read is that there's a relationship between whether or not you believe you belong to God and whether or not you live in confidence in the daily life that you live. So see that connection. There's a connection between believing that you belong to God and walking and living this life in confidence. Why? Because true confidence is the byproduct of belonging. You are the most confident version of yourself in the spaces that you belong the most. If you don't believe me, think about the people in your life who you are the closest to. Think about your best friends. Think about your family. And think about sitting with them in your living room. Now, on the other side of that, think about sitting in a living room with a group of people who all have memories together, who all have a connection to one another, but you don't really have that connection. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been with a group of people who all have all these inside jokes and all these memories together, and you weren't a part of any of it, and so you got to smile and pretend like you care about their stories, but you don't really care about their stories. You really just want to leave and go be with your people somewhere else. That's the, that's the difference, but the difference of that feeling of, of belonging is the difference in how confident you come across. You're confident when you're around your people. You're confident... When you know, I actually belong here. And God is saying through John, you will be the most confident version of yourself when you have accepted on the inside who you belong to and who holds the foundation of your life. True confidence is the byproduct of belonging. But you and I become afraid when we start to question whether or not we belong. And that happens in every area of life. When you're wondering, do I really belong in this situation? You start to shut down and you start to become intimidated and pushed around by the circumstances around you. This happens in business. This happens in athletics. In fact, I I know this personally. It's hard to believe, but a few years ago, I actually played basketball for my high school. And the further away it gets, you know how people say the further away they get from their high school career, the better they get in reverse? It's the opposite for me. The further I get away from it, the more I'm like, I thought I was so good back then, and I was average. And so, and, and so I'll think back to that, and I'm like, man, we, were, we, were, we thought we were amazing, but we were really just a subpar average team, but we overachieved when I was in high school. And we overachieved so much so that we went in the state tournament so far that we ended up playing against a high school that had three players of their starting five that all went to the NBA. If you're wondering, no one on my team went to the NBA. Neither did I. And so I remember when when we were set up to play against them, our coach was like, listen, we're playing Norcross. That's the name of the school, Norcross High School. Scary place to play basketball and uh, because that's where basketball dreams go to die. And so this team was amazing. And not only were they amazing, their fans were amazing. He's like, listen, we're playing at Norcross, but listen, you can't let your confidence drop. You guys got to go in there confident. If you go in there intimidated, we're going to get run out of the gym. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to be confident. And I remember I remember being on the bus on the way there. We watched a movie called Hoosiers. And we're like, that's going to be us. We're going to go into the other place and upset this team. It's going to be amazing. And, and we walk into their gym and before a basketball game, you, you do layups and, but, but they were doing dunks instead. And so we're kind of looking down at them and we're looking at ourselves and we're like, this is the confidence uh, is evaporating. And, and so as this game starts, our coach looks at us and he can tell we're rattled just in warm-ups. And he's like, listen, do not lose your confidence. Do not lose your confidence. Do not, uh, do not look like you're looking right now. And we're like, okay, we're going to hold on to it. And then it's almost like five minutes later, we're walking into the locker room at halftime. We're down by 40. And and I remember in that moment, I'm like, okay, well, we did the best we could. Like I said, three guys who all went to the NBA. Some of them are still in the NBA to this day. And we're at halftime, and I remember this like it was yesterday. My coach looks at us, and he's like, what happened to your confidence? And I respect this man, so I wasn't going to stand up and tell him what happened to our confidence. But thinking back now... When I think about that moment, I want to stand up and go, Coach, I'll tell you what happened to our confidence. We don't belong out there. We do not belong on that court. They belong in the NBA. We belong in a YMCA. I was like, but I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I know why I wasn't confident because I didn't really belong in that moment. I was overwhelmed. We were all overwhelmed. And that's a funny story from a few years ago, but that night sort of reminds me of the way the church is responding to this outbreak. Totally intimidated because we don't know how much we belong in the center of this situation, shining the hope and the light that is needed. And your level of belonging equals your level of confidence. Church, I need you to look at me right now. This is our moment. Like, there has never been a time where we have more of an opportunity to stand out. And I am not happy. That there's a virus outbreak causing us to distance ourselves from sporting events, from school, from things like church on a Sunday. I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy about the fact that the Dow Jones is plunging. I'm not happy about the fact that everything seems to be going wrong. And just when you think things couldn't get worse, they get a little worse. And there's another case. And there's questions all over the place. And, oh, forgot to mention that we're in an election year. People were already going to be freaking out this year as it was. Listen, I'm not, like, excited about that. But I do get a level of expertise expectation because I go, this is the moment that the church belongs in. This is the moment where we have to stand confident because nobody else has a place to put confidence. Christians should be alarmed by this, but not surprised. We're the ones who have been saying from the beginning that we do not put our hope in an economic system. We don't put our hope in a healthcare system. We don't put our hope in, even in our personal health because we know if you're a Christian in this room, and if you're a Christian watching online right now, you have admitted to yourself that you have no control over your ultimate destiny. You've laid it down. You've surrendered and said, okay, well, I realize that my life is going to end. I realize that my stuff and my efforts and everything that I bring to the table is nothing compared to the one who has created me. And so I'm going, we belong in the middle of this moment, standing more confident than anybody else in the world. Not arrogant, not naive, but confident. But why do you lose your confidence? Let's look at the verse. Look at this. Verse 19. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Apparently, John believes that the battle for our belonging and the battle for our confidence happens at a heart level. And he says, your heart's going to have this tendency to condemn you. What does that word condemn mean? It means to judge down. It means to tell you bad news, tell you what you don't want to hear. And anytime we talk about heart in a Christian setting, I feel like we need to remind people who are not a part of the church that when we talk about our hearts, we're talking about something very specific. I've seen people confused because Christians walk around like, how's your heart? And my heart, you know, it's just kind of all over the place. And we're giving dating advice. We're like, guard our heart. And we're like, all this heart advice. But then I feel like when a non-Christian is listening, they're like, you guys need to go to a doctor. Like, you need to figure this out because what is all this talk about heart? Listen, we're not talking about a physical body organ. We're I'm talking about the center of who you are in your soul. Your heart is the combination of your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is the center of who you are. Your thoughts, your actions, and your feelings all come together to make you who you really are from the inside. And what John is claiming is he is claiming that these three things will have a tendency to tell you out loud that they know the truth about what's happening around you more than what Jesus has spoken over you. It's in your thoughts, it's in your decisions, and it's in your feelings. And it will seem, I'll just be honest with you, it will seem like these things are more real than anything you believe about Jesus. But then John says, if our hearts condemn us, this is one of the most freeing verses in the entire Bible, God is greater than our hearts. So he's literally acknowledging you might be going crazy in your mind and your emotions might be all over the map and your decisions might look like a checkered past that you're not that excited about. But the combination of those three things do not take away from the fact that God is greater than our hearts. So what does that mean? If your heart is your mind, your will, your emotions, here's what that means. God is greater than your thoughts. If you're struggling in your thought life with anxiety right now, if you're struggling and going, I just can't seem to set my mind right because things don't seem like they're going to get better, you need to know God has claimed to be greater than every single thought. Not just your thoughts, your decisions. This is huge. You are not the total product of every decision you have ever made. You are the combined product of everything Jesus did on your behalf because he took your place. God is greater than our hearts. God is greater than our feelings. This is huge. To a generation that believes what they feel is truth, listen, I'm all about feelings. I'm all about emotions. But at the end of the day, there are times when your emotions will lie to you. And fear is at the forefront of those liars. And God is claiming today, I am greater than your thoughts. I'm greater than your decisions. I'm greater than your feelings. God is greater than our hearts. And what's the very next phrase? And he knows everything. So it's like he's greater than all of this and he knows every single one on the inside of you. He knows every single thought you've ever thought. He knows every single feeling that's ever risen up in your heart. He knows every single decision that you've ever made. And the reason why John is nailing this one home is because he wants you to know when those thoughts rise up, when those feelings rise up, when those emotions are overwhelming, and even when your decisions confirm something about you, God is greater than that because Jesus is greater than that. And I believe the battle... For what's happening in your inner world is the battle that we are facing in our world right now. So you might be like, Miles, this is a great message about the gospel. This is a great message about the good news, that God's greater than our hearts. He forgives us. He loves us. Jesus has won the victory. This is awesome. What does this have anything to do with what's happening all around us right now? I would say it has everything to do with it because the battle that God wants Christians to engage in right now is not a battle to solve all the world conflicts that are happening, is not necessarily a battle to make sure everything gets figured out in healthcare and everything gets figured out in the economy and let's just fix everything one little step at a time. I believe God wants to use us for good in each one of those things, but I believe the main battle is going to be waged on the inside of our hearts. Here's why I say that. Skip down to chapter four, verse four, to this amazing verse. This is kind of the culmination of all these thoughts. Here's what John says. You, dear children, are from God. You know who you belong to and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Yeah. Watch this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. What's, what's John talking about right there? He's actually talking about evil spirits. He's talking about the the heaviest forces of darkness that might come against you in life. You need to know that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so our world's biggest problem is actually not coronavirus. Our world's biggest problem is actually not the economy. Our world's biggest problem is not travel right now or all these different things that we're trying to figure out. Our world's biggest problem is that we have this sin problem that has existed on the inside of our souls from the beginning. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, everybody wants Jesus to solve all the world problems around them. You know, Jesus was Jewish. You know what the Jews wanted Jesus to do was overthrow the Roman Empire. And then he dies on a cross that they made and they're going, oh, so much for Messiah. Messiah. And when Jesus comes back from the dead, what's clear to the disciples is, oh, he didn't come to wage a war against the powers that are out there inflicting us from the outside. He came to win the war on the inside for my peace of mind. And when you get that kind of confidence, now you have something to give the world around you. When you and I get that kind of belonging and go, okay, I'm, I'm no longer going to be swayed in my heart by whether or not circumstances end up looking exactly the way I want them to look, this is what it means to be a Christian. We have known from the very beginning that we are living on a planet that has an expiration date. We are breathing in bodies right now that will expire. One of the things that's making our world so uncomfortable is the brevity of life being so centralized right now. If you're a Christian, this is something you think about all the time. You will have a last breath. And as I've just read multiple responses to what's happening right now, it's so shocking to the world that something could happen and shake up how much we think our breaths are something we can hold on to like they're going to be sure. It is not sure. Life is going to end, and the fact that Jesus has overcome the grave gives Christians a level of internal confidence. So when everyone's running around going crazy all around them, a Christian has the ability to stand in that chaos and go, listen, could lose all the money in the world. I could die. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. This is how we stand out. And this is why, I'll just be honest with you, I'm freaking out about the opportunity we have as the church to stand out like never before. Because I actually believe these small communities that are meeting in homes right now and us projecting what's happening in this room online, I believe this is the future of the church. I believe this is, this is what this is going to turn into over time. And we are going to stand out just like the church did in Acts, surrounded by chaos, Surrounded by death, surrounded by sickness, surrounded by difficulty, but not swayed because we know who we belong to and we have confidence in God. Now, this is usually where you're like, okay, good sermon. We know God is greater. He's greater than our hearts. Even when we feel different, even when we think different, even when we act different. But the cool thing about this passage is John doesn't stop at God just forgiving you for what you've done and giving you a hope beyond what you're facing today. He actually delivers you into a whole new realm of thinking and a whole new realm of living. And I'll just tell you, my problem with this passage is usually it just gets preached halfway. It's like, God's greater than your heart. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about what you've thought. Don't worry about where you've been. God's greater. Don't worry about what you're afraid of. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. Okay, but it feels like on the back end, what am I supposed to do until God's got it? What am I supposed to do while this thing continues to spread? What am I supposed to do if somebody in my family is affected? What am I supposed to do in the meantime? John doesn't stop at God is greater than your heart. He gives us a foundation to actually leave and walk in confidence. Watch this, verse 23, verse 21, sorry. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. See, John doesn't want us to spend the rest of our lives fighting off our hearts and thinking, oh, God's greater than my thoughts greater than my feelings, greater than my decisions, he's greater than that, he's greater than that, and our heart's condemning us with that voice from within. John believes there's a flip that can happen for a Christian where you go from fighting those things to those things confirming what's true about who you belong to. If our hearts go from telling us lies about who we are to actually not condemning us and sitting in the truth, what is the result? We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Because what? We keep his commands and do what pleases him. Now, this is going to mess with you a little bit, but I believe the roadmap to walking in confidence in our day is obeying God. That's not attractive to say. That doesn't get anybody that excited. So I'm going to say it a little bit fancy. You ready? Write this down. Your confidence is unleashed when your obedience is released. Your confidence is unleashed when your obedience is released. To explain this, we need to clarify what I mean by obedience. Because just using that word, most of us, especially those of us who grew up in the Bible Belt, are thinking about a list of rules and restrictions that we have to adhere to. And we're going, okay, I just need to obey God and then I'll be confident. No, don't do that. Because you're going to find in your personal willpower and your effort to follow Jesus that you're going to fall short of the ability to do everything God commanded you to do. Obeying God is less about adhering to rules and more about conforming to his voice. And the reason why you're not a confident Christian today is actually because you've never taken a step of faith. You've never actually stood in the midst of uncertainty and seen God come through on your behalf. You've never actually given when you've been running out of money and seen God come through as your divine provision. You've never actually walked on water. You've never actually stepped into a moment where you're going, it shouldn't feel this way, and I'm not comfortable, but I believe in Jesus. And that's why I said your obedience needs to be released. You actually really want to obey God. It's actually amazing to do what God says. And when you start to step in line with Jesus as he is the one lighting your way, all of a sudden confidence grows because you're now participating in the Christian life and you know I belong to God. Not because I prayed a prayer at vacation Bible school when I was little or went to a summer camp and repeated the prayer of the speaker and I was sleep deprived. I'm a Christian because I'm doing things that don't make sense in the natural. I'm a Christian because I'm obeying the commands of God. You know, Jesus took all the commands of the Old Testament and he summed them up so simply. Love God and love people. And John knew that. He was right there. That's why he said this next. And this is his command. You want to know what Jesus is commanding us to do? Here it is. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us christian obedience summed up in two words believe love this is what jesus is commanding you to do i'm telling you you're going to be confident when you release obedience don't stop it okay god's greater and i just need to believe and trust that no 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 no. let belief overflow into a lifestyle of love what is jesus's command here it is to believe in the name of his son jesus christ A lot of us think that means praying a prayer and telling God we still believe in him, we still trust him. That's a part of it. It's your confession. But what I believe unleashes new confidence in the life of a believer is not just to claim with their mouth that they believe Jesus is Lord, but to hold on to that truth in the midst of uncertainty and not knowing how it's going to end for them. I believe in Jesus. Okay, you can say that on a sunny day where... The money's rising and where everybody's healthy. But do you hold on to Jesus when things are getting dark and when oceans rise? Are you able to say, I I believe in him? And I'll tell you this, your heart gets exposed when you get pressured. You want to know how to test a muscle? Put pressure on it. You want to know how to test your spiritual heart? Watch what happens when you start to get pressed. Your heart becomes revealed the more you get surrounded by circumstances that are uneasy. And for a lot of Christians, what is coming out right now is revealing what's always been there. So like, I'm, I'm talking to friends right now who are pastors, and some of them are freaking out about finances. Some of them are like, you know, if the economy goes like this, then what will that mean for the provision of our church? Here's the reality, though. In the last couple of years of economic boom, they've been getting in front of their churches and saying things like, God is our provision. God's got this. Well, it's so easy to say that when the line's going that way. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I literally, I, I feel a little bit naive, and, and maybe I am, but I was literally laughing. And I was like, I I actually believe, I'm not trying to be Mr. Super Spiritual Guy, but I actually believe that every dollar is supplied by God. And so if he if he wants you to have less for a season, you're going to have less for a season. If he wants you to trust him more, if he wants you to give in the midst of less, like you're just going to have to, we're going to have to actually live out what we claim to believe. So I believe in you, Jesus. I'll sing the song. I'll gather with a group of people no belief is tested when you and I are in situations where believing is no longer convenient. And so I believe in you, Jesus, but I'm going to run around scared every day for the next six months because do you know some of the stats about this virus? Listen, I'm not saying we need to ignore it. I'm not saying we need to be ignorant. Do not hear me say that. But I am saying you are a Jesus follower. You have been called to bold confidence in these days. You've been called to make zero sense to the people around you who are looking at you, watching you and going, why are you not freaking out right now? And the answer is so easy. And this is what our world's dying for. I know who I belong to. He's greater than my heart. I know where I'm going and I've never had my hope set on what you've been setting your hope in. And I believe that's how we're going to stand out. What else does he say? Love one another as he commanded us. So, yes, do we need to step up and love people? Do we need to step up and provide meals? Do we need to make sure people are cared for? Do we need to make sure we're praying for government officials? Do we need to participate? We don't just form a holy huddle and go, God's got it. Good thing we're all going to heaven. No, we go out, and we love people because why? We know who we belong to, and we go out confidently. I would say use this season as an opportunity more than ever before in your life to talk to people about the hope that's available in Jesus. Use these moments because people are eyes wide looking for answers, and they're not finding it on CNN or Fox News. They're not finding it in the House or the Senate or the White House. They're not going to find it anywhere else than what we are holding. And I believe God God is so sovereign over this. I'm not saying that God caused this, but everything happens within the sovereign will of God. He's got this. I believe God knew about this moment, and I believe the reason why almost every church that's making decisions with wisdom is not meeting this weekend is because God wanted to reset us, and he wanted us to split up, gather ourselves, throw off our equilibrium a little bit, and go, hey, I'm doing something big right now. Are you paying attention? So we did our 2020 series, Grace Truth, and I kept saying, God's going to do something in the next decade that's so much bigger than we know. And a lot of us are a few months into 2020 and we're like, people are, people are dying and the virus is spreading and the, the economy is going down. I guess, I guess God didn't want to do something great. And I just very humbly want to be like, this is exactly what he would do based on what I see in this book. This looks exactly like his character. And so what he's doing all around us is giving us a divine opportunity to stand out like never before. God is greater than our hearts. If our hearts condemn us, no, he's greater than that. But if our hearts do not condemn us, no, we obey his commands. We believe that Jesus is the one and only son of God sent from heaven, died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, risen from the grave so that we might know eternal life in him. And I love where he lands. And this We know it by the Spirit he gave us. Wow. The Spirit of God is what ultimately seals the peace of our hearts. And so, what do we need more than ever? We need the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do. And the avenue to calling on the Holy Spirit is in the name of Jesus to your heavenly Father. And that's why I want to call everyone listening to this to stop and pray at the end of this. I'm going to pray in just one second, but please don't just bow your heads while I pray, and then move on to the next thing. This is really going to be a dismissal into individual prayer groups that are going to happen from here, where we're not going to go, okay, one person pray, and we're just kind of listen. No, no, no. We need to lean in right now and pray for our country, pray for the world, pray for the big C church, but most of all, more than you pray for circumstances to change, please hear me. Pray for the glory of Jesus to shine brighter than ever before. He wants to use this, and he, this is the best part, he wants to use us. It's not an accident. And it's not an accident that we're in the city that we're in right now, and I believe God has marked these days for us to stand together in faith. So let me pray. You don't have to join hands. With the people around you, let me pray, and this is going to be a dismissal into your individual community group, into your time with your family to go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use the words that have been spoken in this space, that this word would go out because I believe your Holy Spirit is on it. God, you are greater than our hearts. You are greater than everything that is holding us back in fear. So I pray that no longer would our response be to run away in fear. I pray that we would stand confidently because we know who we belong to. And we would stand in faith. And we would simply ask the question, God, what would it look like for me to shine the light you have put on the inside of me? What would it look like for me to be a beacon of hope for a world in need? God, as we pray, as we take time to out loud call on you in our homes, I pray that every prayer being prayed across our nation right now on this national day of prayer would be heard, that you would be gracious to us. God, that you would forgive our sin and heal our land. We repent of all of the ways that we have held on to prosperity, that we have held on to other things other than your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are the one and only cornerstone. We stand on you and you alone. We love you, and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for Church at Home. I hope that this has been an encouraging time. I mean it when I say I want you to go from here and step into an extended time of prayer and pray out loud that God would do what only he can do. We'll have updates coming on our website and on social media in the coming days about what our plan is for the next couple of Sundays. So please, if you don't follow us on social media, make sure that you do. Make sure you're going to the website. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to our team. Go be the church, ACC. We love you guys.